What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Trujic Rogers, up in the building. And today, I'm joined by Mr. David Wise. Davey, what can good looking? And what are we talking about with the folks today? Everybody, this is Dunks, Dribbles, and Dimes Takeover. And we're talking a big week for Florida State basketball. Obviously, a win over Duke. A scary win over UNF. And uh, somehow, at the exact same time, exciting and horrifying win over Miami. It was a whirlwind week for the boys on the hardwood, but folks, we are here to discuss it, dissect the, as they were saying, Duke, UNF, and Miami, and honestly, folks, we're glad to be back. We're glad to be dropping these little extra triple Ds for the rest of y'all, but with that being said, let's get on with the t- today's show. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles, your first listen each and every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos, but David is brought to us by God himself. Davey, what's up, my guy? How's it going? It's going, man. Just uh, what a weird basketball season this has been, huh? It's interesting because it's really funny. Like we'll dive deeper into the game, but the first half against Miami was kind of closer to what we expected from the boys on the hardwood. But after the half, that was a pretty poor half. But I kind of want to get your thoughts on the week as a whole because we were kind of going to we wanted two out of three wins because it was three games in five days, which is very a very very tall task for any team at all whatsoever. So I kind of want to get your thoughts about actually as the week as a whole before we actually start diving in and dissecting these games. Yeah, so I'm going to have a super super unpopular opinion, I feel like. Um, first of all, you cannot be pissed off about a week where you go 3-0 and in a span of five days and 4-0 and in a span of eight days, especially when one of those games was against Duke and another of those games was against rival Miami, who we had just beaten recently as well. However, wow, I mean, I think... Oh, I, if you go back and listen to my last episode where we had triple D's, I was pretty pessimistic about maybe this team isn't capable of meeting uh, the potential and expectations that we had going into the year. We had always thought that there were going to be kind of things that need to be proven about this team due to a lot of newcomers, a lot of losses uh, from the team in the offseason. But, you know, it's one of those weeks where you go three, you know, and you're like, OK, maybe this team is what we thought it could be atop the ACC now. However, when we'll get into more specifics, man, there were, there were some alarming things that happened this week. Like that UNF game was catastrophically bad. Uh, a lot of people will look at the box score and say, Oh, we won by 13. That wasn't just a 13 point win. That was really bad for our net and our RPI. So that'll affect our outlook come tournament time in terms of our resume is that because like nan rpi that's kind of what is like the NCAA computers kind of use to select which teams actually go to the tournament at the end of the year yeah bracketology looks at net ratings which like places teams into quadrants like 1a 1 2 3 4 uh unf was one is one of the 25 worst teams in all of the 300 and something division one teams so that's a game you absolutely just have to blow them off the floor. And late in the game, I want to say it was a single digit score game, like which is just absurd that should never happen against a team like that. It's not even like it's a letdown spot. It's one of those where like you're playing a division three team in football and you could put your fifth stringers on walk ons out there and beat them by 100. That should never have happened. And then you have the Miami game where it's 
the best half of basketball Florida State's played all year. And then one of the worst halves I've seen from Florida State, not just this year, but the entire time Leonard Hamilton has been here. So what I'm kind of guessing with you is like the uh, one way to put the entire week as a whole is that it was just like kind of a it's mixed it's like bittersweet but it's kind of a mixed bag of emotions kind of thing where the Duke game was like we we stole one from probably one of the best teams in the country yeah. who has probably the best player the number one overall pick in Paolo Banchero yeah. who for some reason we'll discuss why he didn't take over till like the last half of the of the second half and then you see a UNF team that granted we're I mean. They were a tournament team two years ago, but the thing is, folks, they only have four wins heading into the game. And they also were, I think, bottom 30. I think Dave told me before the game started, they were bottom 30 in three-point defense. And so basically, we kind of wanted that game to be sort of a, a practice the kinks out. Around. Right. Yeah, yeah, work the kinks out. Like saying, okay, you know, we'll see who our shooters are or not. Folks, we have no shooters. But then yeah. we win that game. And then we also win against Miami, who we, I think we're up on them by 24 points at half. And then I think we only scored another 20 points. And they... That game got way too close for comfort, like raised within that margins. But I do want to say in their defense, playing three games in five days is exhausting. Yeah, It is hard. It is tough. And that's kind of why me and Dave were like, get two out of here. If you get yep. two wins, I will be happy. Just give, just give me some of those. And quite frankly, I kind of want to be more critical of this team, but you kind of can't because you can you, you hear reports out of the out of the more out of the, out of the talk out of the more that those kids were exhausted, and honestly, like there were some players that were pulled at the thing at, at I think with ten minutes left against UNF, and they couldn't go back in because they're just so run down and just beat up right now. Yeah, don't get look, don't get me wrong. Um, and again, any week you go three and zero, that's a positive week. That's a good week, and we're top the ACC standings. That's again, you can't be upset about that. Like even though the team has shortcomings, and we can talk about those. You already mentioned one shooting. We don't have shooters and we especially don't have perimeter shooters, no matter how open they are. That's going to be a problem probably come tournament time, assuming this team continues its trajectory and makes it there. But bottom line is you have to be happy about where this team is positioned, especially in light of the problems they have had all year and still have to this day. And also, I think it's a testament to what you said. I think when we were exchanging text messages, like about like during the game where it's like, Coach, what Coach Hamer has done with this team specifically, out of all teams he's ever had, is nothing short of astonishing. We're winning yeah. games that, quite honestly, like by the way they're looking, that we shouldn't be winning. But he's just finding ways to get the best out of this young group of players. Even though you did make a really good point, where I mean, our stars were what two redshirt, two six-year seniors, a redshirt junior, a four-year sophomore, Caleb Mills. The fact that like he's able to get like this kind of results out of these, out of these players, as roster just shows how great Coach Hammond's become actually in FSU basketball. Yeah, um, I, I will say the the nice part is even when I can be disappointed about, you know, certain aspects of this team and maybe even where we're at in the season with really bad losses against Syracuse and especially South Carolina, still, and, and again, the UNF game, still, this is a top of the leader or top of the standings team in the ACC. And that is, Still, as people disappointed, that tells you a lot about where Hamilton has this program that you expect better than just to be at the top of the ACC. And that also kind of goes through, like, we'll discuss this after the break, where how Dave's little stance on how he felt about the storm in the court. But before we discuss that, though, folks, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about our friends over at betonline.ag. Betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your latest sports action. It's the new year. It's a hap- our, I like to say a happy new betting year. We had UFC 270 last night as we're recording this right now on Sunday morning. 
And folks, I cashed out on Francis Ngannou at plus 1,200 to win by decision. I was down bad, and I needed to get out of a hole real quick. So thank God Francis Ngannou was able to get me out for that. But Super Bowl is coming up. You got AFC Championship, NFC Championship, baseball. Hopefully, we'll be back by spring training around then. And also, we have NBA, basically all-star breaking. It's going to start picking up. And also, of course, March Madness. So head over to betonline.ag right now. Bet online where the game starts and use promo code locked on. That is promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. Bandline, the fastest and easiest way to wager in all your favorite sports. So, Dave, while I pull up the, uh, I guess the game's actually probably for next week, do you want to talk about the Duke game first or do you want to talk from Miami backwards? Um, let's start with recent. Woo, Drake. <laughs> I mean, it's it's weird to to feel so good for a half of basketball, and then we go to the locker room, and it seems like everybody just like I don't know took a bunch of Benadryl and and didn't remember how to play basketball for a second half, and it was it was the most stark contrast I've ever seen in a game where the first half was almost perfect basketball. Uh, Miami contributed to it by just take, jacking up the stupidest three-point shots I'd ever seen. However, it was a Florida State team that was playing to their potential. It was about as well of an executed first half as we could have played. Then they took a break for 20 minutes, and they came back out, and they decided, we can't lose. So we're going to hold the ball till the end of the shot clock, and we'll just kind of see what happens. You know, We'll just dribble it down there. Somebody will do something. We'll figure it out. And spoiler alert, they didn't figure it out. And Miami, you knew that they were going to come back to earth, meaning they couldn't play as bad of a half in the second as they did in the first. Some of those shots were going to fall. They only needed some of them to fall. It's not like they played an electric second half. We just didn't care to score because we thought we'd won already, it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, I think Irish Ophel tweeted this out during the game where this team is not mature enough to kind of run games down and run games out. And I don't know whether it's just a lack of aggression or they just don't know what to do when they have that sort of lead. Like I remember, I think Max put it perfectly in the group text. Like I don't want us to be up there by 20 and then just kind of like you know, slowly, slowly get to the finish line. It did feel like there was, kind of, there was kind of a lack of urgency to kind of like put the game away. But it also felt like they just were happy with, you know, their, oh, you know, come back if you can. And Miami, like, I don't think Miami's a bad team. I think they're actually a pretty damn good team. They have people that can. <laughs> we disagree on that. We have a few players like they have. Uh, they have a few players like an Isaiah Wong, Cameron Mcgusty, who were the ones that bring them back. And was it Watersburg, the big seven footer that can shoot threes too? Like that's it's. It was interesting to see like how this team was able to hold on for a win, which kind of feels like how this team is going to win every game for the rest of the season. But we'll see. Hopefully, move forward that we can kind of learn. Hopefully, on the job how to close games out or be comfortable with closing games out. Yeah, and I think one of the disappointing specific things about that game to me was. You had that first half for Anthony Polite getting it going. And we've talked about how we need one of our shooters to figure it out, whether that be him or Wyatt Wilkes. I don't really care. We just need one of them to figure it out as we progress into the season because this team is too one-dimensional to not have somebody on the outside that can knock down shots. We're not going to make it far in the NCAA tournament, assuming we make it there, if we don't have anybody that's a threat to shoot on the outside. So it was really disappointing that in that he had such a good first half. Second half, it, it literally looked like a different basketball player. It looked like somebody gave him a stern talking to 
And like he was just pouting the whole second half. I don't know what the hell happened. I about to say, like, do you have like a reason why? Do you think maybe like the coaches were like, hey, like, you know, run this clock out, like don't be as aggressive? Like, don't, like do you do you do you have like any kind of like I guess hypotheses or a theory as to why that happened? Because it was you're right, there's only the only way we can describe a tale two halves is because it felt like there's a completely different team out on the floor. Just a total lack of urgency. I mean, when you're up big, you don't have the same sense of urgency, but there was just zero urgency. And the problem is, and it's not really quantifiable, but when you're talking about people whose game is mostly about shooting, having a hot hand is a real thing. And both Polite and Wilkes have not had a hot hand at any point, really, throughout this year. And it's just, it felt like maybe he was getting there, like Polite was, and and we're I still leave the game great that we won it, but still feeling like okay, still don't have anybody that feels confident in their shot. And if you're not, if you don't feel confident in your shot, you're not going to make them. It's like one of those things where you step up uh, to hit a golf shot, and you just know you're not going to hit it well. You do not hit it well every single time, like clockwork. Yeah, I don't play golf, but I can. I but seeing how you, Johnny, Cam, Max. Parker, basically everyone but me in the group <laughs> reacts to hitting a bad golf so I can definitely feel that. So it's still a win though in our book. You know, we still have nice rig against Miami. It was great also to kind of like cap that and get that W, especially after Coach yeah. Cristobal's, you know, halftime speech that uh didn't work. I'm surprised that he didn't handle out raffles for uh, his OC or DC spot that's still currently open. But let's move from Miami. I want to talk about the UNF game because I kind of do want to you to like kind of drill the point home like what exactly does that win do for us and by the win i mean like how that win actually occurred yeah that was so that was a catastrophic win in a way you when you play a team as bad as unf meaning bottom three or bottom quarter of division one you have to go out there and blow them out by you have to beat the spread first of all but you need to beat them by more than 20 that was a game where our, we could have put the Vipers in there and they should have been able to beat them by 20. And Dave does not like watching the Vipers play back. I don't. I don't. See, because the problem is you have these things called net ratings. And it, we talked a little about, little about it earlier, but it takes into account the quality of opponent and puts them into categories. And the net ratings and your RPI are impacted by the quality of your wins. And... That win was not big enough such that a quadrant four team like UNF um, positively impacts the resume that negatively impacted the resume. It's it's weird because like you always talk, we always talk about like the SEC, like a quality loss. That was a unquality win. Um, so it was weird. You looked at the stats. Like if you go to the advanced stats after that game, we dropped like substantially in defense. I think we were top 25 or 30 going into the game. We ended up outside the top 40 defensively just because of one game, even though we have a pretty decent sample of games across the season already. So we we took care of business. We beat them. We beat them by double digits. And it, Max even commented to us, like, how could a 13-point win not be good? You have to beat them by more than that. You have to assert your dominance and leave no doubt. And the resume, that's not going to help. Yeah, and to piggyback off that too, like remember whenever we do the C, like it's kind of like how the CFP picks their teams, and kind of how we had that argument, like who should be in the Final Four, and we kind of look through their entire schedule and say, oh, they only beat so and so by this much, or they only beat so and so by that much. Basketball is a lot more toned into that because you have to pick from a field of I think what three hundred and what sixty. 
I think it's like three thirty something. Yeah, three yeah around three thirty teams. You had to pick the only the top sixty eight to get in, and you look towards a team like UNF, who currently is the three hundred and sixth ranked team. So they are a bottom twenty team. Yeah, and I will say we won that game, which is huge for us. However, if you look towards early the season, we did lose to a we did lose to a South Carolina, who is also in the bottom third of the league too as well. So to me, that kind of is actually a good sign in the right direction that now we're starting to actually win these games that we're supposed to win by. And even though it's not by the 20 or 30 that we kind of want, it is going to show this team is kind of starting to mature a little bit more when it comes to taking these games that they need to. And also, and more importantly, finding ways to win. We left that game, despite the win, Bracketology had us as the single last team in the NCAA tournament field. So... We left that game in a position to go into Miami where a win would put us atop the ACC. So we left that game, the UNF game, in second place in the ACC, coming off uh, coming off a win against Duke. And yet we were the last team in the tournament field. So that win did not have a good impact on us. And it's, it's not going to look as bad as that South Carolina loss, which holy hell, that looks bad. Uh, but... It's in the same category of things that aren't going to help our resume for a team that still, as of now, even atop the ACC, is a bubble team. Yeah, I think it is a bubble team. And let's wrap up, I guess, the week that was with actually our OT win against Duke, which that game, Dave, you were on here and said that we would lose by 20. Yeah. I thought we were going to lose by 10. Max, I think, is the only one who said that he actually believed that we we're going to win that game. Whether that was intelligence or pure ignorance, my boy got the dub. He should have gambled on that. I know he's retired, but he should have taken the money line on that. Dave, what do you make of that Duke win and actually how it went down? Because it was it was an ugly game, but fortunately, it was like we were on the receiving end of the win. Yeah, so again, it's just, it was a fortunate, it, that was a great way to find a win against a team that was substantially more talented than you. That is one of the best Duke teams of the last half decade, if not the last decade, in terms of the talent they have on that roster. Not to mention, you went against a team that's far more talented, and you went out and you shot 28% from three. You made seven of 25. That is pitiful. That's even worse than the already bad three-point shooting you've seen from Florida State this year. We shot 35% from the field total. And Duke, on the other hand, shot 49% from the field and 44% from three. They absolutely beat the hell out of us in terms of their shooting. We narrowly out-rebounded them. And yet, we came away with a win. That would have been, if you had told me that those stats were against Clemson, I would have been happy to come away with a win. But the fact that Duke shot us out of the gym and we still beat them leads me to believe that just like you and Max have that conspiracy theory about the fact that Mac Brown can't beat Florida State in football, it, it's just like the last few times they've come to the talk, Duke has just struggled to beat Florida State. Yeah, and I think also, like, ish, I always say that you know what teams are when middle of January starts. And we saw what Florida State, the team, what they do best at in Duke. And by that, I mean defense. I think the primary reason why we won that game is the turnover battle. I think mm-hmm. Duke overall on the night had about 15 or 16 turnovers to our five, mm-hmm. and we were able to capitalize on those. Caleb Mills played amazing. John Butler, who I was saying was baby, basically baby Christos Porzingis, is out there shooting threes at seven foot one, which is absolutely absurd. So to me, that's a huge win. 
But also, it leads me to believe that there's going if this team is going to be what we want them to be, they just need to solidify that defense and just give them something to supplant supplement it with shooting wise, whether it be Anthony Polite, whether it be Wyatt Wilkes, or hell, maybe even John Butler. Just take take your threes out there, man. Please, for the love of God, like just somebody make your damn shots. Yeah, right. So the exciting thing about that game, other than just beating Duke, because Duke is we can still be outshot by one of the most talented teams in the country and find a way to win. We are forcing some of the, we're, we're one of the best teams in the country in terms of forcing turnovers. Last episode, I told you that despite a lot of the negatives, including some of the ones we're still talking about shooting, there were positives. And one of those was the tenacity of this team in getting blocks and steals and forcing turnovers. If we are so good at that, that it's overcoming shooting woes including this bad of shooting woes against a team that shot well and is way more talented than you. That leads me to believe that this team can find ways to win other than just the traditional go out and score more points, which you have to do technically to win, but you know what I mean. And that also says to me, if this team can figure it out in terms of their shooting, if we get any support, especially from the perimeter, from Wilkes or Polite or whoever wants to make a three, this team could absolutely be dangerous like we thought they could be before the year and it could be one of those typical florida state teams that wears you down defensively and just is too scrappy and too long for you and it may not be the same glamorous offense but the team could still find ways to win and could still cause some trouble in the tournament it ain't sexy but damn it it works it just works for some reason at the end of the day and folks and before i forget i need to be i would be remiss if i didn't talk about our friends over at get upside Dave, you're the good upside guy. Want to tell the folks how it works out? Absolutely. So it would be ridiculous of you to not use GetUpside. GetUpside, I've been using for three years, and you get actual easy to get to you cash back for buying the same gasoline you were already going to buy. Literally, you just open up the app. It tells you which gas stations around you are participating. You can check in automatically uh, based on your location, or you can upload your receipt. And you get cash back for every gallon of gas you purchase right to your account. It can You can put in your bank account. You can put in your PayPal, your Venmo. You can get gift cards. You get free cash back for getting the same gas you were already buying. Makes no sense not to do it. And not only that, folks, if you sign up today through the app with promo code SCORE, that's S-C-O-R-E, you'll get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon in your first fill-up and then up to $0.50 cents cash back per fill-up. But once again, folks, that's promo code SCORE, S-C-O-R-E. And folks, listen to Dave. Get Upside has changed my life with that. It's helped me immensely, and it's kind of nice to uh, get paid for filling up the gas tank. So today we're going to wrap up Dave a little bit that I think we do need to rec- like, you know, recognize that it is very, very, it is a huge thing that these boys actually got three wins in five days. Um, it's exhausting. Yep. It's a grueling, hard schedule. Like, and it's, they, did a, they did great things in the house. So it probably helped out. The tournament hopes as a whole. Now that we're in the middle of December, closing it out, heading into February, what do you think this team is, and how do you see? What do you see right now as this team sort of, you know, I guess national perception when it comes to tournament time? Like, where will we be a middle seed and like towards the back end? What do you think right there, or do you think we're still on that fringe bubble team as the first four in or out? I mean, after the week, I think we're especially after beating Miami. I know it looked really bad the way it ended, but we still won. I think it probably moves us a little higher than just the last four in creates a little bit more margin of error, though, even though sitting atop the ACC, 
this team still has to worry about being a bubble team. Um, we are about 90th offensive offensively in the country. We have about a top 35-ish defense, which is going to be good enough to get it done. And you see how scrappy they are forcing turnovers, like we said, with the blocks and the steals, and that that was key against Duke, who out who shot us out of the gym, and it still didn't matter. But this team, I don't, to answer your question, I don't know who they are. Uh, I was worried about them getting blown out by Duke. I said they needed to find a way to go 2-1 and one this past week. They found a way to go 3-0. and oh. They still have some of the same shortcomings in terms of shooting, and I don't know that we're going to see that get fixed. Um, if it doesn't, we're going to have to win games, low-scoring games, where we're just too long for the other team and we're just getting in passing lanes and we're contesting shots and not getting out rebounded. Ideally, if we're able to do that, this team can beat you in a 66 to 65 game, but you go out and you play a Purdue and they put up some points on you. It's going to be really hard to play catch up unless you find a shooting touch, especially on the perimeter. Yeah. And hopefully like this is kind of where we, I kind of say you always want to get hot at the right time when it comes to college basketball. I would rather start, you know, our kind of our getting our win, right? Because right now we're in the middle of a six-game win streak. I would love to carry this over for maybe if like maybe two more weeks, and then maybe you know here and there we kind of like learn a little bit more, like play around a little more because we do need a little more margin of error. Because I yeah. I would be way too afraid that we get very hot at this point. We're hot up until March. Conference tournament comes around. We're an early out. We get the tournament, and then we're early out again. So it's kind of like I'm kind of excited to see how this team responds. And it's kind of nice that we actually have a few days off. I think our next game is Wednesday against Georgia Tech. And then I also do want to say, I think our game after that is on Saturday against Virginia Tech. Georgia Tech, folks, is not the same team as last year. They have lost a lot of pieces. Josh Pastner, he's kind of like, he's an interesting character, so to speak, when it comes to head coaches around the ACC. And then Virginia Tech, to me, is kind of where how Dave felt about Virginia all last year. I think they're extremely fraudulent. If you look at their overall record, they, have, they supplement a lot of their wins with games against a Redford, a St. Francis PA, a Merrimack teams. You have no idea who they are. But once they play teams like Dayton, Duke, North Carolina State, and Virginia, and even Boston College, they drop them. So I'm actually very excited to see actually how the, the boys respond on Saturday against Virginia Tech. Yeah, Virginia Tech, I'm excited about that game. That's going to be a little bit of a learning game, too, because they're about top 45-ish in terms of their quality. Uh, I, I expect to win that game. I will say I'm not sure Georgia Tech isn't worse than South Carolina, and I don't think you can afford two South Carolinas on your resume. Um, We would have to, if we were to lose against Georgia Tech, we would have to really impress with the rest of our schedule, which there is an opportunity to do. And I'm not going to call something a must-win game when you're on top of the ACC and riding a six-game win streak and you only have five losses on the year. I'm not going to say that's a must-win game, but it's more of a can't lose game. Like I don't think if you're in a bubble position at the end of the season, that loss to Georgia tech would haunt you. Uh, That's a team we should absolutely beat. And I fully expect, especially after some rest, them to have some confidence about them and to go out and win that game, riding a seven game win streak into a home game against a good Virginia tech team that I think will be challenging. Yeah, and folks, kind of put that in perspective too. Georgia Tech's best win on the year is against is an OT win against Georgia State at in the middle of December. Now they beat Boston College, but Boston College is one of the few teams actually in the conference that's worse than Georgia Tech. If yeah. we're being completely transparent here, and yeah. then with Virginia, their best win, in my personal opinion, looking at their schedule overall, I think is against maybe Maryland. Oh no, Notre Dame. They have a they have a win against Notre Dame, a pretty solid ACC team. But 
overall, these are two games that we definitely should win. Not comfortably, but we should be able to finally find one game where we can relax for a little bit and not actually be like, I'm going to be, I think at the end of the year, Dave, I'm going to have the same hairline as, as Coach Ham because I'm my hair is like, I'm pulling on my hair every damn game this season so far. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of this team. I'm I'm happy that they're figuring out ways to keep putting them in the W column. Um, I think we're at the point in this program where we're benefiting from the perception of Leonard Hamilton and Leonard Hamilton coach basketball teams. So I do think if at the end of the year, uh, it, Florida State's a little tenuous and 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 we may be a bubble team. I think we actually may be getting a benefit of the doubt despite being a new blood. Uh, and, and that's kind of exciting to be in that position as a basketball program at a football school, but there are a lot of winnable games coming up on this schedule. Uh, there's a, there's a real chance to extend this win streak to double digits. And I really need to see them go out there and take care of business against Georgia tech and not have a letdown. I think you will see that. And you know, there, there's a lot of positives. There's a lot of negatives, but there's still a lot to learn about this team. And there's something exciting about the fact that we'll figure it out. It's kind of fun not knowing what we're going to get with this team. I mean, I complain about how we're not playing. We're playing super close games. We shouldn't be, but it is kind of fun to kind of have a little bit of an unknown with this program as we we grow with them and as the fans, you know, grow with them too. And folks, thank you so much for your love and support today as we grow with you each and every single day by making Locked On Seminoles your first listen each and every single day. And we all love you here. Max loves you. Dave loves you. Holly and Stacey, they love you too. Please don't forget to give us five-star reviews in our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast from. Also, don't forget to like this video. Hit the subscribe banner up at the top to make sure you know whenever we get new videos. And also ding the bell so you'll be the first one to know where we have everything else at. And folks, that's about it for me. Dave, you want to send the people home with anything else? Just keep winning, baby. Just keep winning. This was Drake. That was Dave. That was Dave. We'll see you next time on Locked on Seminoles.